as we're going through Second Timothy, I'm going to ask you all to put yourselves on mute unless you have a question or a comment, and then I'll be very happy to uh, to feel that. So everybody put yourself on mute to kill the background noise. That's that's good. All right, let's uh, let's start by opening up in a word of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we come before you once again and just want to uh, praise your name. For you alone are God and there is no other. And we thank you, Lord, for your great love and the grace which you show us every day through Christ our Lord. We thank you, Heavenly Father, that you have indeed sent your Son to be our Savior. And Lord, we thank you for his great work on our behalf as our substitute, Lord, and all that he has accomplished uh, for us. And it is all by grace, and none of it is deserved, Lord. And uh, we thank you for that. We thank you for your spirit, which abides within us, and the Lord, that uh, encourages us and strengthens us and convicts us and guides us and uh, opens the scriptures oh. to us. We pray, Lord, that as we open the scriptures tonight, that indeed uh, your spirit would be uh, mighty amongst oh. us, that you would... Uh, um, reveal yourself, your truth to, to our hearts, that we might indeed grow in the faith. We commit our time to you, and we pray this all in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. All right. So, again, I'm going to ask that everybody put themselves on mute, unless you have a question or a comment. And uh, let's we'll start by turning in, uh, in 2 Timothy to chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2, I'm going to read through the whole chapter, and then we'll go back and go through the chapter. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David as preached in my gospel for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal. But the word of God is not bound. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. The saying is, is trustworthy, for if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Remind them of these things and charge them before God not to quarrel about words, which does no good, but only ruins the hearers. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. But avoid irreverent babble for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness, and their talk will, be, will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hyamaeus and Philetus, who have swerved from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already happened. They are upsetting, they are upsetting the faith of some, but God's firm foundation stands bearing this seal. The Lord knows those who are his, and let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. Now in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, and some for honorable use, some for dishonorable. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, 
patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance leading to a knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. May God be pleased with the reading of his word. I asked a quick question. What version was that? ESV. Yes. We're trying to pick the version because I don't know whether to listen or to read. And we went to NASB. We went to NAV. We knew it wasn't a King James. So it's an ESV. Sorry. That's okay. Yeah, I, 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 it was a Bible that was closest at hand. So. <laughs> All right, let's begin. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Now, again, remember the, the, the very deep relationship that Timothy uh, uh, and Paul had. Uh, Paul looked upon him as a son, and Timothy looked upon Paul as a father. Uh, they were involved in extensive ministry and travel together. So there's this uh, you know, continued uh, uh, expression of love between them. So again, he's calling him my child, which obviously this is his ch a child in the faith. Uh, by the grace that is in Christ Jesus, all right? Strengthen yourself by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. You know, we stand in our faith only by the grace of Christ. It is only because of the spirit that is in, within us that we are able to stand in the faith at all. And uh, here Paul is reminding Timothy of that. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Now, remember, this is a time uh, early on where uh, the gospel was passed uh, basically uh, orally. Uh, you know, uh, there's, there wasn't all that uh, much uh, writing. There were scrolls. They were kind of expensive. They were a little bit rare. You were very fortunate to have them. Uh, so when uh, something was written out, you'll often read that Paul says, when you finish reading it, pass it on to this church. Um, so they had no, uh, you know, no photocopies or and no computers. Um, so a lot of it had to do with just, uh, you know, speaking and preaching the word. And uh, people were more obviously in tune and able uh, to remember. More, I think more so than even we are today, because uh, we have everything at our fingertips in uh, written in the word and we don't memorize uh, a great deal. I mean, how much of scripture have we really committed to memory? Um, so uh, that's you know just an example. We feel like, well, we don't really have to because we have it right here all the time. But back then that was very important. So remember the, uh, the, uh, the that, uh, what you heard from Paul in the presence of many witnesses, and those witnesses were not sure who they were. Um, it could have been uh, a small group, uh, perhaps uh, those who had or laid hands on Timothy, um, but it's probably more likely uh, the crowd uh, that was uh, within the church at the time that Paul was uh, uh, teaching at Ephesus. Um, and he says, uh, and entrusted to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. All right. Now, it, here is basically a call to discipleship. All right. Uh, entrusted to faithful men. Now, ladies, I'm sorry that it, it is, does say men. And of course, we know at that time, uh, men uh, were, were, were the teachers and leaders, not only in the synagogue, but uh, uh, pretty much uh, in the early church with a number of exceptions. But um, Tim, uh, Paul is telling, telling Timothy uh, to teach uh, men, entrust this to men um, for the future. And that's what, you know, it's one important aspect of discipleship is to raise up, you know, future generations that will hold fast to the truth of the gospel. A share in the suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. 
No soldier gets entangled in civil, civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. Now Paul gives us, goes into, and he's gonna give us three uh, examples of, of the Christian calling and the Christian life. And the first one is a soldier. And um, as we read in uh, chap, uh, verse four there, uh, no soldier gets involved, entangled in civilian pursuits since its aim is to please the one who enlists him. All right, what do you think this means? Mean that every believer uh, should give up their job and become a pastor? What, what does it mean? I, I, I think uh, it is talking about the suffering um, that any believer in any stage in their life or ministry must go through in order to be faithful. And I think this is why he's given the example of the farmer and the soldier that, for example, the farmer, in order to get the crop, he has to work really, really hard uh, under the sun, sweating. He's suffering to get the result. And, uh, and this is something that we lost, honestly, especially here in America. We are very, very comfortable as a Christian, and we want to avoid at all costs uh, for us to suffer and for other people to suffer. But I think that the suffering that he's talking here, it is as I do my duty, and if I want to be faithful in my ministry, I have to be willing to suffer while I do the ministry. I don't know if uh, I was clear. Yes, yes, you were. Of course, yeah, and you're correct to bring out the point of suffering because uh, all three of these examples come under that share in suffering. Share in suffering as a soldier, as an athlete, and as a farmer. Okay, but the, going back to the question, uh, what does it mean not to be entangled in civilian pursuits? Should we all give up our jobs and become missionaries and pastors? No, I, I, I think, uh, I don't know, for me, what I'm seeing from this, I just, I just believe that um, it has something to do with our testimonies. You know, if we suffer, um, you know, we, we, we're walking with Christ as opposed to just going through the motions, um, we are, you know, uh, our, you know, whatever we're going through is our testimony is, you know, I don't know. Okay. I, I just feel like it has something to do with our... Uh, just two points I would like to make was one, I think the point of this, you know, uh, pleasing your commander is that you know, we all want to please someone, uh, whether it's our boss, other people, whatever, even members of the church, if you're the pastor, that's not the point. You're supposed to be pleasing who's in, who the, your commander is, which is Christ himself. So our whole focus on what we do, what we say, uh, whether it's our work, whether it's our testimony, whatever it is, is to please Christ. And ultimately, pleasing God, of course, which is the same. Second thing is that we are all missionaries, but I, I understand you know, you're talking about missionaries overseas and whatnot. But we're all missionaries where we are, and that's one of the ways we please God is to be a testimony for Him and for Christ, and being a testimony for uh, to each other. So I think it, it's more who are you pleasing. Uh, who is your? Who are you out to please? And your and the point here is you want to be pleasing God because He is it. He is your ultimate commander. Okay, good. Pastor Paul, I think that um, being um, being entangled here, he was saying, do not be like interwoven or connected with things that don't make sense. That's how I, you know. See, because a soldier, you know, you have your focus, you know what you want to do. You know you are going to the battlefield. So you're not like concerned with, you know, civilian gesturing, like, you know, the Laos, 
you know, soldiers are very much athletic. They're very much, you know, determined, disciplined, you know, um, they persevere all the rigorous training they give them. So, you know, he's telling um, Timothy right here that do not just, you know, uh, miss up or connect yourself or in, interweave yourself with, you know, like a young man, don't just do things because you want to do it, but know that the suffering or the discipline or the rigorous training you are going to undergo or you've undergone is um, for the furtherance of the gospel. That's right thing. Okay, good. Yeah, uh, it really has to do with priorities. Okay. Um, in other words, uh, you know, as the soldier uh, doesn't get entangled, he, like I think Pete was saying, you know, he, he follows, he follows uh, his commander. It has to do with a priority, uh, you know, that no matter what we are doing, all right, Christ is still our priority. Um, and we don't allow that to become secondary. We don't get entangled with something that takes part, that priority or, or you know, um, away or, or, or makes it subservient to something else. Um, and, uh, but that singular focus, okay, um, it, it is hard and it will put us in conflict with other things. And that's where the suffering comes in. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. Again, an example of uh, maybe not so much, a, we think of suffering, but hardship. Um, you gotta play by the rules and the Christian walk is basically a call to play by God's rules. And that may entail uh, suffering, suffering from the world. Um, it's the hardworking farmer who uh, ought to have the first share of the crops, all right? Um, again, uh, none, I don't believe any of us uh, have had farming experience. Maybe we have, it's, it's a hard thing, especially uh, as you go back uh, in history when much of it was just uh, done by hand um, and not the, uh, the vast machines that we have today, all right? Um, but it's the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops, all right? And um, so each one of, uh, at least the, uh, the athlete and uh, the farmer, the focus is, uh, and, and the soldier too, because the soldier's aim is to please, and the athlete's aim is to be crowned, and the farmer's is to uh, have the harvest. So it, it, within the suffering that you're doing, we're staying focused on the goal. And uh, the goal uh, uh, for Paul, obviously, is uh, the gospel um, and encouraging Timothy uh, to continue to share uh, the gospel. Okay. All right, think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. And thanks be to God, he, you know, the, that's what the Holy Spirit does. Um, through his word, the power of God's word, um, the Holy Spirit works in it. And all of you can give testimony to how many times the spirit has opened the word to you and has given you a truth that's been there all along, but all of a sudden you happen to see it. Verse eight, remember Jesus Christ risen from the dead, the offspring of David has preached in my gospel. All right, again, remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David. Uh, two things here. One, obviously, the paramount uh, uh, focus of Paul is Jesus Christ. And the paramount uh, uh, event in his life is the resurrection. All right, uh, without the resurrection, uh, you know, our entire faith falls apart. Um, but he also throws in the offspring of David, um, which ties in uh, the Old Testament once again. Remember, Timothy's mother was, was of what faith? She was a Jewish. She was a, she was a Jewish uh, believer. All right. So this was very important to them that Messiah would come from the line of David. Um, so he's just reiterating that. In verse 9, for which I am suffering bound with chains as a criminal, but the word of God is not bound. 
And um, so Paul is in prison. He's in chains. This is not house arrest like the first one. All right. And he's chained as a criminal. A criminal in the Greek is, uh, means uh, you've done something notoriously bad. And uh, uh, for Paul, he's probably being charged with sedition and causing riots and uh, not, uh, not paying homage to the right gods. All right. But he goes on, but the word of God is not bound, nor can it ever be. And this is why it's so, I'm sorry, Pete, are you saying something, Peter, Dr. Pete? No, I'm sorry, I just wanted to you finish, that's all. Oh, okay. Uh, no, I just wanted to bring in, if it may be reading too much, but You're breaking up terribly, Pete, can't, can't understand. Oh. Uh, I just wanted to, to bring in, you know, in verse 8, you know, he talks about two things, the resurrection, and he talks about the descent of, of, uh, from David. So he's basically placing Christ as God in the resurrection and as man in his descent from David. So he's reiterating for whatever purpose that Christ is God and man at the same time. So I just wanted to put that in for what it's worth. Okay, good. No, it's worth it's worth putting in there. Thank you. But it's so important to remember that the word of God is not changed. This is why it's important, I think, to read the word of God, to preach the word of God. You know, the, all our activities, I think we should have something from the word of God. All right. Um, uh, because, you know, as, as it says in Isaiah, you know, God promises that it, and my word will, will go out and it will accomplish, will not return void. It will accomplish what I determine it will accomplish. But that implies the word has to go out. The word has to be read it's, um, and, and spoken. And that's where the power is. Um, so that's why, you know, all our services, all our prayer meetings, uh, all our gatherings, there should be some, some sort of scripture uh, because that's where, that's where the power is. And the power of God's word is not changed. Pastor. Yes. When he say that the word of God is not bound, maybe he's trying to say, yes, I am in prison. But the important thing it is that the word of God, the gospel is being preached. So not matter that I am suffering, that I am in this situation. The important thing is that the word of God is being preached. Can we say that? Yeah, that's what that's what he's what he's saying, right? Um, he's in chains, but the word of God is not. All right, and I'm sure that you know if there's anybody within earshot, um, he's probably speaking the word of God, the gospel to them. All right, just as he did under the uh, first imprisonment, and uh, this holds true for you know uh, all uh, the people around the globe, Christians around the globe who are persecuted and may find themselves in prison. Um, you know, they may be limited in what they can do, all right, but they can still speak the word, uh, you know, whether it be uh, clandestinely or whether it be boldly, um, the word of God is not bound. And its effects are not limited. And therefore, he goes on, verse 10, therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Okay, again, Paul is suffering for the gospel um, in the hopes that, uh, and the purpose that, you know, it will be preached and all of God's elect will indeed come uh, to faith in Christ Jesus as they were destined to. And then in verse 11, some feel that uh, this, is a, this is a Christian hymn, an early hymn, uh, the saying is, uh, is trustworthy. Um, and there's kind of two parts to this. If we have died with him, we will also live with him. Now, there, that, uh, that truth is uh, repeated often in the New Testament. If we're buried with him, we will rise with him. All right, in Romans 6. 
Um, and that's a that's kind of like a guarantee. If we endure, okay, uh, we will also reign with him. All right, and uh, this uh, again has to do with uh, the the call to endurance. Um, it has to do with uh, the works that we do during our sanctification, not our salvation. Um, we know that there will be uh, uh, rewards uh, given out to, to what we actually do here uh, after our being saved. Uh, in Corinthians, it talks about uh, you know our works being either a, a precious stones or silver or gold or wood, hay or stubble um, that will be tried, um, and re, you know the rewards will be given out. Um, but uh, even though some will be burnt up, they will they are still saved. Uh, then it goes on, if we deny him, he also will deny us. And if we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. And these seems to be best understood as the negatives, the opposite sides of what he was just calling us to do. Um, those of us who uh, may have started out looking like Christians and, and being very much involved, you know, he just mentioned a couple of them over in verse, I mean, in, in chapter one, Philegus and Hermogenes, um, or a couple of them, he's going to mention a couple of others, uh, people who started out well in the faith, but then they, they uh, uh, pull back, or they fall away, or they go uh, into apostasy. Um, and if they end up denying uh, Christ, he denies them. And the same, if, if they are uh, faithless, um, the same thing will happen to them. He, God remains faithful. In other words, uh, he has given the warnings uh, about, uh, uh, you know, pull, pulling back. He cannot go against his warnings. Uh, if you do not believe, you suffer the consequences. Um, of course, uh, God can't change his mind on, on that. Uh, but, you know, in 1 John 2, we understand these people that are, have fallen back out of the faith never really had faith. You know, in 1 John 2, it says, you know, they went out from us because they were never really of us. Uh, you know, they, they talked a good talk. They walked a good talk. They looked very much like us. Um, but then, like the uh, parable of the soils, you know, then the worldly uh, concerns uh, grew up and it overtook them. And it revealed uh, who they really were and they were not of faith. So... Um, so, but uh, for the believer, if we, if we have died with him, we also will live with him. All right. And that, that's, that's the great guarantee and security uh, that the believer has. And if we endure, and this is, again, Paul is encouraging Timothy to endure in the race. Um, because we know that even uh, Christians uh, sometimes become slack. And, uh, you know, apparently, although scripture doesn't tell us a lot about it, uh, there are rewards uh, for faithful service and, you know, in a sort of a hierarchical uh, distribution of what we do. Uh, so those who are endure uh, will reign. All right. And, you know, he told the apostles, you know, uh, you, you will reign on, on, on 12 thrones and judge the 12 tribes. All right. And there's, there are these type of rewards that await the believer and should encourage us to endure and persevere. Well, Pastor, it's, uh, and along those lines, uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it almost seems like the opposite is true too. There's when the Lord says it'll be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in that day, almost indicating that there's a, there's worse punishment than other punishment. You know, it'll, it'll, in that day, it'll be more tolerable for them. Like, but hell is bad enough. Like, so are there degrees of hell, which I don't know the answer to, but it seems that that's like the implication of that. What do you think of that? Yeah, I agree with it. Uh, there does seem to be, uh, you know, I mean, like you say, hell is hell. I don't want to be any part of it, but uh, there does seem to be worse parts than others. All right. Um, and, uh, um, uh, you know, he, the, the one servant will be beaten with few lashes while the other receives many. So there does seem to be a gradation uh, even, even there. Could you also, could I have one more question, John. Let me just. Okay, go ahead. The verse 
13, could you just put a little more meat on the bones of if we are faithless, he remains faithful. Mm. So who is this, who is this person he's talking about that has no faith, but God remains faithful to them? It doesn't say that, that he doesn't say that he remains faithful to them. It just says that he remains faithful because he cannot deny himself. And there's two ways of looking at this. And I, I've taken both the last part of verse 12, if we deny him to be the same as if we are faithless. All right. And the fact is that God is not faithful to him, but God's faithful to himself in that his, his edicts, his demands uh, um, for those who uh, deny him cannot be changed. Just because we falter, it's not going to get God to, you know, falter. Uh, he cannot deny himself. Uh, some, some, let me finish here. Uh, some say, like to look at it, that this is the, uh, the Christian. You know, I mean, uh, those who deny him are, are unbelievers. But this is going back to Christians who um, stumble, who are not really faithful or not loyal. But um, God remains faithful to them. All right. So there's two ways to look at it. Um, I kind of think that the two negatives should go together if we deny him and if we are faithless. Um, because he does, uh, he has already in the chapter one spoken about at least two people who fit that category, deny him and are proved faithless. And he'll mention a, a couple of others as we go on. So that's why I think that uh, that approach is a little bit better. I think John has something. I just wanted to uh, get back to one of Sal's points about, uh, you know, where it says uh, that it'll be greater judgment for them than it would be for Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, and the reason is, is because, not to quote a comic book character, but with great, uh, great power comes great responsibility in the sense that because we have the blessing and the gift of the gospel and God's word, we have a greater responsibility than the people in Sodom and Gomorrah did, a greater knowledge. And we, we will be held to greater account because we did not use the things which God gave us uh, to use. And I, I think that has something to do with that in a sense that uh, the work that you're going to do for the Lord, you, you're responsible for it before him uh, to share the gospel and to, uh, to preach and to teach and to share so what he's telling Timothy is you have a very high calling and you have to work very hard at it and you have to serve well in it uh, because you'll be judged uh, by it. I just want to add that. Yeah. And then, you know, the, you're right to quote the verse, you know, to whom much is given, much is required. All right. Uh, but we have to make a clear distinction between when he's talking to believers and uh, non-believers. Okay. Um, I, I, we don't want to confuse those two. Uh, Pastor, I have a question. Okay, I, I thought it was uh, you. Yeah. You know, when, when, I, when I was growing up um, in, a, in Sunday school, and a lot of preachers, you know, they used to say that this word, if we deny him, and then he will, they will apply this word like when um, uh, the end of the day, that when somebody asks us, are you a Christian? And we say um, we are scared of something or maybe in our job, if we know that we're going to be treated uh, uh, differently and somebody has, are you a follower of Christ? And we say, no, I'm not a Christian. Does this verse apply to this? Deny uh, our faith just because we are scared of the consequence? I don't think it does. I think this is a, a flat out uh, rejection uh, from, from a person's heart. Um, not due to circumstances. If that was the case, then, uh, then the Apostle Peter would fall in this category, all right, because he denied the Lord three times, all right? Um, uh, so that's, that's not the case. This is a rejection of, of the faith entirely. And uh, Christ, you know, himself says, you know, those who deny me, I will deny before the Father. So... All right, so then he moves on uh, into a little bit more uh, um, uh, practical applications. Verse 14, remind them of these things and charge them before God not to quarrel about words, which does no good, but only ruins the hearers. 
do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker that has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. Uh, but avoid irreverent babble, for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness, and their talk will be will spread like gangrene. Okay, well, kind of uh, in your own words, why don't you sum up uh, those couple of verses? What's he, what's he teaching Timothy here? What's he warning him about? Concentrate on the important things and leave the sort of trivial matters aside, you know, that they're not, there are certain things that are worth arguing over. There are certain things that are not worth arguing over. So concentrate on the important things. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, you know, in church, we don't want to have our church split because of our political affiliations. We don't want our church split debating conspiracy theories about anything, all right? Um, this is worthless stuff. Uh, and, um, uh, you know, he, he's warning them, don't get involved in such things. It only ruins the hearers. Um, then he goes on and says, but you be prepared in what's important, okay? Rightly handling the word of God. And... Uh, um, avoid the irreverent uh, talk, the you know the irreverent babble, uh, the, uh, the 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 uh, the new doctrine that might be out there, or the latest the latest get go, um, because uh, it has a tendency to lead to ungodliness. All right, it pulls, it pulls one away from being focused on Christ Jesus and the Word of God. And the, and, and the fact is, he's telling Timothy, who's going to be the leader of the church, because uh, truthfully, okay, uh, leaders get sucked into this because they're trying to put out fires out amongst the people. So instead of them having the time to prepare and study God's word, all right, they have to go and they have to run after and, and figure out arguments to why Martians haven't landed and taken over, you know, so-and-so place or, or some other uh, controversial subject that happens to be in the headlines. Uh, Pastor Bob, I, I think, um, you know, Paul was trying to make Timothy to um, focus more on the word of God because all the answers of the problems that the church um, that will arise in the church and in the Bible. And he has to study them. He has to pay attention to them without, you know, getting himself entangled with his, um, with people's wisdom or with his own wisdom that he should just, you know, study the word of God. And so, because when he comes with that wisdom of God, his people will listen to him more than using his own wisdom. You know, when he comes, you know, presents, you know, when he's trying to, um, as the leader of the, of the church or as the pastor of the church, when he's trying to, you know, resolve conflicts and everything like that, present, how he presents it, people will be prone to listen to him than when he comes with his own vague knowledge. So I think, you know, emphasizing to him to study the word of God or to be approved is something that was really key um for Paul to tell Timothy because Paul is very well learned so because he was very well learned he was able to understand you know fluidity and dynamics in you know spreading the gospel and that is one thing he wanted Timothy to also understand and acquire for himself yeah absolutely I remember that Timothy's uh you know younger all right and uh so Paul is kind of directing him you know stay within the word all right, don't, you know, don't get involved in those controversies if at all possible. Um, of course, uh, the dangers involved. Um, and then, but then he goes on, okay, uh, uh, about the, this talk that was spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus, who have swerved from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already happened. They are upsetting the faith 
of some. All right, so this is, you know, this is, they are introducing some new doctrine, which is not of the gospel. All right, and uh, Paul is warning Timothy uh, that, you know, this, this happens and he gives an example. See what, what happens when you uh, permit this thing to go on. Now the, uh, you know, and the, the fact is that all of us need to know the scriptures. All right. How does, how does somebody come in and start saying, well, the resurrection already happened. All right. Um, if you don't really know the scriptures, how are you going to refute that? Uh, so we all have to know the scriptures um, because if somebody can come in with, you know, some strange doctrine and if, if it sounds good, I mean, obviously the, all false teachers generally make a good case, uh, you know, uh, at least initially until you scratch the surface, until you know the scriptures. So there is danger in that. And he's warning Timothy about that. But then he goes on verse 19, but God's firm foundation stands bearing this seal. The Lord knows those who are his. All right, remember we just talked about those who uh, uh, fall away from the faith or they start, uh, they can be seen as, as uh, rejecting the faith either by their behavior or by their teaching, uh, but they don't fool God. The Lord knows those who are his, okay? Um, and he has already chosen them. He's already elected them and he will gather them. Um, and uh, uh, so he's telling Timothy, you know, listen, God knows, all right, those who are his. And take, and take uh, uh, comfort in that. And then he says, let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. All right. Here's a has to do with, uh, again, our calling to be holy, uh, has to do with our sanctification, uh, to pull away from sin. Remember, we are, we are, although we are saved, we are works in progress, okay? And we need to uh, uh, continually strive uh, to be holy. And then he kind of gives an example, uh, starting at verse 20. Now in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use, some for dishonorable. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel of honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, all ready uh, for every good work. All right, and this again goes back to the fact that, you know, we wanna strive all right, to be honorable vessels, uh, to be used by God by fleeing iniquity and living uh, a life worthy of the name Christian. Uh, many of the Christians, remember, that in the early church were coming out of gross uh, immorality and, and uh, um, false teachings. Um, and, you know, they just, just because they were saved and walked into the gathering of the church, I didn't mean that they left that old style, uh, old lifestyle right away. Uh, they had to be convicted and they had to be challenged. And um, at, the, at that point, you know, they were still kind of, uh, their behavior was dishonorable. They couldn't be used. Uh, God wasn't going to use them uh, at that point until they came to that place of uh, rejecting all that. And uh, only then will they be fit for use. So then uh, Paul continues, all right? So uh, flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from pure heart. All right, this is what uh, he's telling Timothy and, um, and us as well, okay? Uh, flee these things. You want to be, again, an honorable vessel. You want God to use you. And you know, uh, run the race uh, and don't get uh, allow the sin that that uh, entangles you and slows you down. Uh, that makes you dishonorable. In other words, you, you can't use be used by God so as fully. And so that's why each one of us needs to examine ourselves uh, daily and to rid ourselves of any sin or anything that would break communion with God, um, uh, because we. 
cannot be fully used um, if we are, are harboring uh, continuous sin in our lives. I, Pastor, I just want to add too that um, that what you're saying, and also notice at the at the end of 22, it says, "With those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart." So, out, outside of fleeing the youthful lust and pursuing the righteousness, faith, love, and peace, it's better done if you're doing it with other people in the same way, uh, meaning you surround yourself with godly people, with righteous people with people who truly love the Lord, people who truly are obedient to his word, people who are fighting the same fight that you're fighting against sin. If you, if you, if you surround yourself with those people, it'll be better for you. Uh, that's what I just want to add there. Uh, sure. You know, uh, it's just like, it's a lot, it's a lot easier to exercise if you go with someone to the gym, or if you go jog with someone, right? They encourage you. Uh, that, uh, there's a partnership. They help you. And the same with our Christian walk, <clears throat> all right? We need to surround ourselves with fellow believers who can speak into our lives and, and we can speak into their lives, all right? To find out, you know, we see uh, them kind of uh, drifting off or becoming lazy. Um, we can address that and address that in love as a brother or sister in Christ. Pastor. Yes. That the word useful passion and most of the time we think it's talking about sex, but it is not only sex. It's talking about, you know, this um, passion that we have, like pride, jealousy, uh, desire for power, um, 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 wealth, all those things is included in there too. And this is why it's talking about peace, love, all those things as a, as a, uh, a opposition to those things that I mentioned. Yes, I think, it, but it, and it also includes uh, the uh, sexuality as well. Uh, but, you know, yes. youthful yes. passions, we all know, we've all been there, okay? Um, uh, when you're young, you're, you know, you're, 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 full, you're full of uh, uh, gusto and, uh, you know, nothing, it, there's nothing you can, can't do that type of thing. And, um, you know, you kind of push the envelope. And uh, so it's, he's saying, you know, flee those, those passions that, are, are, that, that may drive you into uh, in the wrong directions, which are so very common amongst youth. Again, even today, we see it in, in, in young people, right? They, they rationalize, us, you know, sin um, to justify uh, their passions. Uh, whether it be, uh, you know, for, for money, power, or, or sex. Pastor Bob? Yes. Annette. Yes. Well, I was thinking to myself just now, <clears throat> it's so clear in a way um, to me, you know, uh, God put the Ten Commandments out. And of course, we don't just stick to those, com those commandments because otherwise we'd still be in the Old Testament. <clears throat> but he didn't come to destroy him. He did come to fulfill them. But the thing is... Um, all of this is basically, thou shall not, um, you know, um, look at other idols. I am the God. I am your God. So focus on me. Once you do other idols, you will drift away from me and you will be in trouble. Things, bad things will happen to you. So keep your eyes focused on me. There shall be no other gods before me. And that was as clear as anything. And everything that we do that's outside of him kind of is like a god we just or another god we just think of them as well might be interesting to think about or do or but we really have to be very careful about what we think is important in this life right yeah absolutely and uh we also have to be very careful about you know who we associate with okay yes. uh, there's always that that fine line uh you know between uh, i want to be a missionary and you know stepping over into the into the worldliness of the world Right. All right. Um, you know, scriptures say, you know, bad company corrupts good morals. Yeah. So we, you know, so that's why, as John was pointing out, you know, he says, uh, you know, along with those who call on the Lord with a pure heart, that's why it's, we need to surround ourselves uh, with fellow believers um, so that we don't have that a bad company or hopefully we shouldn't be, we shouldn't be <laughs> classified as bad company. Mm -hmm. All right, verse 23. 
have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. All right, so apparently at the, uh, the church at Ephesus, uh, they really needed an, an intentional interim pastor. <laughs> it was a, there was a lot of controversy going on, a lot of ignorant controversy, uh, foolish talk, um, probably a lot of conflict and argumentation, um, you know, and uh, 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 Timothy uh, had the uh, difficult task of pastoring uh, that group, all right, and going in there, and, and Paul is saying that, uh, you know, these type of things only breed uh, quarrels, um, and he's kind of saying, don't get entangled with it. Uh, you cannot become quarrelsome. Uh, you need to be kind, which is implying, all right, that the people who were in these controversies were not kind, okay, to one another in, in the way that they were disputing. Uh, there was probably a lot of, uh, quote, bloodshed going on uh, <laughs> by the tongue. Uh, but you need to be kind to everyone and able to teach and patiently endure evil, or patiently endure the, the evil uh, of all of this conflict um, and teach them and, and try to bring them through this conflict uh, in a way that brings healing and health uh, to the body. Uh, he also said, correct the opponents uh, with gentleness. All right. Um, you know, it's always, it's always, uh, recommended to try to, uh, you know, you use honey, uh, rather than vinegar, uh, to, to get people, uh, to, uh, agree with you. Pastor, it's um, odd. Paul seems to be taking a very easy, easy tact here with people that are, seem to be very, like no church would tolerate some of this stuff. And Paul's like, no, have patience with them, but they're, you know, God will grant them repentance. And even verse 18, where this Hymenaeus and Pelaeus is are being described as those who have swerved from the truth. And the KJV has, they, they're erred in their doctrine. Like, Paul, where's like lowering the boom on them? Like they're teaching falsehood. They're bringing all this false doctrine. They're dividing the flock. But it's, now I don't, maybe there's a back story here that we don't know about, but it just seems very, very easy tack on this. Yeah, you know, I was just going to make that that comment here. Uh, you know, be gentleness to your opponents. If you look at Paul going back to like Corinthians, I mean, he was he was uh, you know dumping on them. He's like, get rid of that guy, get him out of the church. You know, sexual immorality. Uh, you know, it may have been that you know Paul was older. I mean, he was he he, he may have been a, a little a little more mellow. He's in prison. He's you know he's he's facing death, but he he might also uh, recognize that in Timothy we have young Timothy who is, is not a confrontational person, okay? So he's, he's telling him to tr maybe try, uh, try this way, okay? Knowing that if he said, get out there and do this, that, or the other thing, it might just scare Timothy to death, you know, and he may, he may retire, you know? <laughs> so, um, but there's no, I have no definitive answer, Sal, as to why that shift. I, I, I throw something in there real quick. This is a different kind of letter than the Corinthian letter. Um, this is a pastoral letter to the church where Paul is a, trying to train Timothy on how to pastor a church and how Christians in a church should react to each other. So maybe these people in which he's referring to, this Hymenetis and Pilatus, they, they, their heart may still be good, but they, they're, they're incorrect in their doctrine or people are doing idle babbling and they're gossiping and doing what we see in church almost all the time. So what Paul is trying to say to Timothy is, and maybe to other church leaders is, you need to come alongside them. You need to be gentle with them. You need to guide them in the truth of the scriptures and not lay the hammer down. Sometimes it's good not to lay the hammer down, you know, especially right away. Uh, so there's a little, I think there's a little difference between, between, between this letter and Corinthians in that regard. 
Yeah, well, you're certainly right about it being a, it's a very personal letter uh, addressed to uh, one person. All right, where uh, the other letters go to the whole churches. So he's, he's using a very shotgun effect. We're here, he's being very specific. All right. Uh, he goes on, and if, but then uh, he says he wants them to be gentle, uh, correcting his opponents with gentleness. Uh, God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, that they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. So Paul is holding out uh, the, uh, you know, the hope that there, there would be repentance and that uh, in gently trying to draw them to the truth, all right? Um, I think that if Timothy were to write back and you know, say, well, you know, they've really gone off the deep end, I think there would be much sterner uh, instruction to Timothy. But unfortunately, Paul never gets a chance to address that because uh, he is martyred. I have a question. Yes, Steve. Do you think that when he wrote this letter, he's trying to declare, well, the other parishioners or other people listening, he's trying to set up these people as their authority and establish them as their authority and let them know they're the ones who they're supposed to be listening to. I wonder if that's part of the motive in this letter. I don't know. For the other readers, you know, the general populace. I'm confused. Well, again, it, it's, it's directed specifically to Timothy, um, but uh, I'm sure that Timothy uh, was, would share this letter with the church Yes. Uh, so that the uh, people would be aware of what Paul is telling Timothy to do. If, if for no reason, no other reason than Timothy is, needs the support of the apostle behind him. Yeah. Uh, as, a, as a young leader, you know, um, it's, uh, as, a, as a preacher, it's always great to, 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 to quote somebody uh, who's very well respected. All right. Mm -hmm. I do it all the time. All right. Um, uh, in, in my preaching. Uh, somebody who carries uh, more authority, uh, let's say, than, than myself. Uh, or, and uh, so I think Timothy would definitely have shared this uh, with the congregation uh, because he is going to start to enact this. And he wants them to know that, you know, Paul is behind him in, in, in uh, him taking this course of action. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Any other uh, uh, questions on this, on this chapter anywhere? All right. I'll well, the people are the, um, sorry, but the people that are into this quarreling and um, back and forth about uh, different things that aren't important. These people are Christians. But they're immature Christians, are are they not? Yeah. I was, Therefore, they can be. Um, they are snared by the devil. Right? They're captured by him to do his will. Yeah. If they're, you know, Paul says, "Do not uh, go to go to bed while you're angry and give the devil a foothold." Okay. Um, so, in other words, even even Christians can open themselves up. Uh, to to dev, uh, the, the devil's influence, right? Um, and, and that's what all this uh, conflict, this uh, uh, foolish controversies and such like that is eating away at the church, the unity and the peace of the church body. And, and Satan's very happy with that. And he always is. Uh, and all the churches that uh, I, I've done, uh, that was in conflict. The only one that was happy in that situation is Satan, because everybody else has been miserable. All right, and 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 it was it's very challenging. It was not uh, at least in the beginning. It's, it's it was never a happy place for Helen or I, um, because there was so much conflict and animosity amongst the people. All right, so um, but you know through uh, proper uh, teaching, through uh, prayer, um, and uh, you know, uh, uh, coming alongside the people uh, in gentleness most of the time. Um, you know, you, we're able to bring, uh, be able to address those issues and bring health to the church. Um, although not all the time was it gentle, okay? A lot of times it has, you know, it depended upon the pushback. 
Uh, any other questions for tonight? Any thoughts? Oh. All right, very good. So then next week we'll move on to chapter three. All right, and of, of, this, uh, of this letter, which is Paul's last. I wanna thank you all for coming out tonight and joining us. And I hope it's been uh, beneficial to you. It gives you something to think about. Okay, let's, uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you once again for your word. Uh, Lord, there's a lot in here. We uh, went over it quickly. We pray, Lord, that you would allow us to uh, meditate on it and to see what truth is in there for us, uh, that we might grow in our faith and be better Christians. I thank you for each one who came out here tonight, Lord. Your blessings upon them, I pray. Indeed. Amen. 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 Say one other Good night, everyone. Good night, everyone.